0: Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Today is Yom HaShoah V'Hagvura. Today is the day we remember the six million. Today is the day that we commemorate Holocaust remembrance. Today is Yom HaShoah, and I thank you for joining us. Today we will spend the next few hours with appropriate programming, both in spoken word and music, for a day like today. Uh we will introduce to you a um a uh a guest who will share an amazing story and give us a perspective on what life was like for those who suffered through the atrocities of World War two at the hand of the Nazis and um how lucky and blessed we are that as Jews today where we are now We could live with freedom and goodness surrounding us. The day for us will begin with the sounds in Israel, actually one sound, the sound of a siren at the designated time in the state of Israel, a siren sounds, the country comes to a halt, and the entire population, the Jewish people... As a whole, have an opportunity to remember the six million. And that is how we begin on this Thursday morning, Yom HaShoah at JM in the AM.
1: is
2: Thank you Christos fire, lest mit ayer ein blut, wovon ist das hier das
3: the Nuremberg Laws were put into effect which took away Jews' basic freedoms. Not many could envision at that time that Nazis would attempt to murder all Jews, but one law after another was added. Eventually, 400 anti-Jewish laws would be written. Unfortunately, countries outside Germany, including the United States, had quotas which strictly limited Jewish immigration, leaving Jews who did not make the quota with no place to go for freedom. Jews became increasingly desperate.
4: I think I never went to bed without saying, please, God, get me out of here. We knew that we would be killed.
5: How we would be killed? We had no idea. I suppose we thought we would be lined up and shot. Because we knew of people who'd never come out of concentration camps, we knew of people who had been killed. I mean, there
6: were more and more people one knew who were never seen again
5: and as things got worse and worse my mother realized that the whole family had to be got out my father was an extremely nice man they both were but i think she must have been the sort of go getter of the two and she decided that heaven and earth had to be moved to get us out she did all the form filling and all the queuing and she ran from office to office and i have a record of all this and the door closed in her face and she banged on the door and she tried and tried and tried. And the fact I know that she made all this effort to save my life has been a big influence on me.
7: My family was working feverishly to get visa to America. By 1939, we were going to go a whole group is illegal immigration to Palestine to fight the British. I was full of life, full of desire to go and do that. They used to call me the fascist because I was wearing a uniform, but my parents were too much involved making a living. They were not involved in
8: any politics. We were still on summer vacation. There were placards all over the city that opening of school years was postponed for one week. didn't bother me. We were happy. I mean, one more week of vacation and we did not Think much about, because how I visualized war was soldiers from two opposing countries will fight. But of course, it won't do anything to us. We are young, we are kids, we are not politically involved. No. What can they do to us? This was in 1939, end of August, September, the war broke out. Why didn't you leave? That's the question my son all the time. He's an immigration attorney. You couldn't. They didn't let you. You couldn't. You just couldn't. Everybody was running away. They say that men, they should run. My father went with my cousin. He's a few years older than I. He took him and they went towards Warsaw. And I remember my father came back. My mother said, why did you come back? Everybody goes to Warsaw. He said he was on the way, he saw, I remember like now, he saw a couch, and on the couch was a woman with two children, and the house was burning. And my father said, oh my gosh, I left my wife and four children, where am I going? And he came back.
4: I can remember very clearly, the day that England came into the war. I know that I'd just had a letter from my parents saying that they were hoping to go to Holland. I can remember going upstairs into my bedroom and crying, because I said, oh, war started and my parents won't be able to come and I won't see them. And Mrs. Fair saying, Vera, you're a very selfish little girl. It means a great deal more than this. It means that our boys will have to go into the army and all this, and you're a very selfish girl to be crying about yourself at a time like
3: this. March 1938, Hitler annexed Austria to Germany. 500,000 people of Vienna lined the streets to welcome the Nazis, and all German laws were now applied to Austria. At the end of 1938, Kristallnacht. 150 synagogues destroyed. 7,500 businesses looted. 30,000 Jews rounded up and sent to concentration camps. Four months later, March 1939, Germany takes Czechoslovakia. On September 1st, 1939, Germany takes Poland. Two days after that, England and France declare war.
7: 1939, Friday, September the 1st, at 5 o'clock in the morning, we wake up. There is bombarding the whole city. We thought that this is the Polish Air Force doing exercises. Germany attacked Poland. They demolished the Polish planes. They demolished oil refinery. And within an hour, we found out that we are at war with Germany. An order came out from the Polish military authorities. All young people have to retreat together with the Polish army. So my younger brother and I and a group of other boys, we started to retreat on foot. And as we were going, the German planes kept attacking us. We walked for about 150 kilometers. Finally, we see that the German tanks are outrunning us. We start to go back. During our walk back home, we heard about the big massacres. The Ukrainians were a minority in Poland, and the first thing they did is they helped them kill the Jews. And when we came back, we started to realize what is happening. We just, we had to be afraid
9: to go out to the street. The conversation in my home, between my father and my uncle, Moishke, was, why do we have to run? They are used to work. They are not just business people. So they will take us to a camp. They won't kill us? What for? They are non-members of any party whatsoever. To leave our home and to run somewhere, to search for a piece of bread and to risk our life, there is no reason for it
7: orders came out that all jews have to wear white armbands this blue morgan david anybody that is not going to be caught without wearing an armband will be shot jews have to go out to work shovel snow cleaning the roads working on the airport without being paid without getting anything the germans start to register
10: us all Jews, young men, from 18 to 45, on a certain day you come to the railroad station and you will go to work for us. A day before the transport was supposed to go, I said, I'm not going. I took a friend of mine, dressed up, got on the train, went through South Germany, through Austria, to the Yugoslavian border. And here we got out of the train full of German military. Not one asked us who we are. We were very well dressed. And here, right from the train, we go up in the mountain. We marched all night with suitcases. We saw the border lights. And there comes this Yugoslavian soldier. We gave him to understand we are Polish officers. He took us down to the border garrison. and here the officers interrogated us, where do you want to go? We want to go to France to join the Polish Legion to fight the Germans. He said, oh, you can go where you want to. He gave us a Yugoslavian soldier to lead us to the station. He was a German spy. As he said to take us to the station, he took us to the border and handed us over to the Germans. They arrested us, they took me with a guard on the train, a big gate on top of the sign Arbeit macht frei, labor makes you free, Sachsenhausen. And this was in October '39. And this way I became not only Jew, but the first Pole in a German concentration camp.
7: I left for a city called Tarnov, and that was 1940. There used to be a Gestapo officer in our town. His name was Becker. He used to come into the Judenrat and say, I need three Jews now. One of them was a shovel. He used to take him down to a field. The guy with the shovel, he told him to dig a grave. He used to shoot the other two, and then he shot him to get into the same grave. Every day was worse. We were not
8: people anymore. Rumors were going that uh, they're gonna build a ghetto, but you know, we school kids, what we knew about ghetto, middle ages. But they're not going to make it, it's not Middle Ages, 20th century, they're not going to do it. I mean, no. What is a ghetto? What do you mean they're going to put us where? But let me tell you, they took this street, that street, you have to go, you have to go, you went and that's it. We went to the ghetto. We were allocated one little small room for six people, 160,000 people and one and a half square mile. All Jews, 160,000 Jews, surrounded by barbed wire, German soldiers with machine guns and guards with dogs. So it came
7: August the 9th, 1942. It was on a Sunday morning. A daughter came out placed all over on every house and through the Judenrat, that all Jews all nine o'clock in the morning, Monday morning they have to come up to the marketplace for registration you can take with you 25 pounds of luggage and to leave all the houses open anybody that will be caught will be shot panic started they started to run, one started to run to the other to try to find out nobody knew what's going on the Judenrat wouldn't say anything, the Jewish police wouldn't say anything, my friends wouldn't say anything nobody knew what was going to happen my parents were still home, we were still four brothers My sister, her husband, and two girls, two children, one of 12 and one of eight. Some Jews went into hiding, took a chance. Our whole family came out to that marketplace for registration. Everybody had to line up and wait. By 10 o'clock, Trucks started to come. This Ukraine SS and circled around all the people, made a ring all the way around. They started to separate old people and the rest of the people. They loaded up about ten trucks of old people, which included my father, and they drove away. Must have been about yeah, about four or five hundred people. And within two hours, they came back empty. We found out later that the mass grave was prepared about 15 kilometers from us in a forest. They took all the Jews over there, and they mowed them down with machine guns and killed them all there in this grave.
0: JM and the AM, a, M., a uh, segment of Voices of the Shoah on this Yom Shoah, the Hagvura, a day that we commemorate the six million and remember those who perished at the hands of the Nazis. One hour from now, uh, an interview that I have been both looking forward to and frankly that I have been somewhat apprehensive about, Israel Stark ...is expected in our studio. The book is entitled, A Boy Named 68818. It is a, a Feldheim book. It is uh, an unbelievable story. One that is so difficult to believe, and as we get further and further away from the Shoah, I think for many of us, becomes even more unbelievable. For that reason alone, and for many others... Uh, I am glad that uh, he will be joining us this morning to, in fact, give us an eyewitness account of uh, what life was like in that era during World War II for European Jewry. It's we uh We started with the siren from Israel where the uh, entire country and the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, I would like to think, concentrates and focuses on the message of the day and remembers those who have given their lives al-Kiddush Hashem at the hand of the enemies, proclaiming their allegiance and love for God and Judaism until the very end. Today's Yom HaShoah, we will continue with the appropriate Programming all through the morning. And I ask all of you to take an opportunity today to share with your children, with your students, with your congregants, with those who are gathered on what typically might be a regular Thursday, and just remind them, remind them to focus, focus even a bit on what this day means and what it's all about this selection is a an instrumental entitled occupations that was done by Michael Isaacson conducting the Israel Philharmonic Orchestra for a collection put together and released by the Museum of Jewish Heritage a living memorial to the holocaust 23 minutes before 7 o'clock, day 12 in the counting of the Omer. Day 12 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. Yom HaShoah at JM in the AM.
2: Meine Wärter seinen Ferien will in in dein
11: Hand.
2: Sehr es wunkelt, seh erfinkelt in mein Keller, die im Blick. Und ich hab Gott mit kein Winkel. Zei zu schenken dir zu lieb, und ich hab Gott mit Winkel, Zei zu schenken dir zu lieb, und ich will doch Gott getreuer dir vertrauen weil er mir wireless mein himmel rauer und ich fahre meine träne nur ihn kennen lern nulle her ventimer der ich ru weil dich her über der her und ich zu wo bist du weil dich y perderse
11: con Jesús y
2: Meine Werke, seinen Tränen, ihren Ruhe in dein Hand, meine Werke, seinen
7: One street, it was about 10 to 12 houses. They fenced it around on both sides, and this is what they will be calling the ghetto. At nighttime, everybody that survived that registration was brought back into the ghetto. Fifteen in a room, twenty in a room, laying on the floors and boxes, one on top of each other. This was supposed to be our life. Next day in the morning, they came, and they picked us up to go to work. My mother and my sister and the kids were still standing at that marketplace with another thousand or more people. And at nighttime, they marched them to the railway station, and they accumulated a full train load, 180 to a car, locked them up. We didn't know what happened with them. They didn't know what happened to us. The trains left east. My mom, my sister, and a lot, a lot of relatives, a lot of family, they took him to Belgium. Belgium was not a concentration camp. Belgium was just, they had crematoriums. They came in there, they gassed them, they burned them. I don't know anybody that came back from Belgium.
12: I never
4: forget the joyful Friday nights when my father came home from the synagogue <laughs> and my beautiful mother. Often I thought, why do they want to destroy this very beautiful family life? <laughs> When we were in the ghetto, I thought to myself we're never going to hell. more. We didn't hurt anybody. My mother was a gentle loving person. Her I main hobbies in life was her garden. One day, a Hungarian, hiring person with some Germanesses entered the house. Had been marched out of the house, and some gentile people who were living in the next house were calling out, "Were well, the butchers of the dirty Jews?"
13: and we were marched in the middle of the road to the ghetto. And in rows of five or six, we had to march towards the ghetto. In front of us walked a young couple. The mother had a little child on her hand and the father an infant on his arms. And one of the SS men came over to this child and said, would you like a sweet? The child was frightened and the mother tucked on on her arm as to say, answer him. So she said, yes, open your mouth. And he shot right through her mouth and the child dropped dead on the mother's hand and she had to leave it there. And my father who was a soldier in the first world war said, I thought we were coming here to work, but I've never expected anything like this. So we dredged along. It was quite a long march in this cold, and we came to the Riga ghetto. In one room,
6: we were six people. They gave enough space, like in a casket. So what we did is we hung curtains from the ceiling to get privacy. A piece of bacon was a big thing because you melted it and you had something to fry, and eggs were very valuable. People would trade stockings, silk stockings risk their lives really, take off the yellow stars and trade with the Lithuanians. I didn't have any more family. All I had is a mother-in-law. She was wonderful to me. We even were together in the concentration camp. She just didn't make it in the end. Somehow, I always had a little extra piece of bread. And when I would tell her, how come I still have bread? She would say, because I know how to slice it real thin. I think she cheated that she gave me more than what she kept for herself. Because of her, really, I'm alive.
8: My mother gave birth to this little one in November of 1940. Jewish people usually give names after a dead person in the family who lived a long life. And my father said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm going to give her a name Hadassah, which in Hebrew means hope. She was the apple of our eyes. We just adore this little girl we had boyfriends we started looking at boys yes and after the curfew we met in the courtyard you know because you couldn't go on the street and we all talk about the things we're gonna do after the war and the war will end very shortly we were sure of it the stomach will be full and everybody will have a lamp work
6: most of the people that are alive are people that were lucky one way or the other i i had a few things. Number one, I spoke good German. I also looked like a German. And I was not very bad looking. Fortunately, all those things were very lucky for people to remain alive. I know what you're going to ask me, uh, if I was ever raped. No. As a matter of fact, there were some girls that decided to be nice to a German guy because so her mother could remain alive or her sister to rape a Jewish woman or to have sex with a Jewish woman meant to be killed.
7: We had a friend, his name was Nagel, he worked in a German store and he had connections with a printer making stamps for the Gestapo. He made up a counterfeit stamp and he made false documents, Polish documents, for me, for my brother, for him and for somebody else over there. And we decided when the time comes we are going to run away. One day he comes in and he says that that was the first part of December, 1942. And he says, something is happening. What's happening? He says, too many Gestapo from old towns are coming in. We decided that we are not going back to the ghetto. We are going to hide overnight to see what is going to happen. I ran out to the pole that had our shop. I came into his house. I says I got to sleep over here tonight He didn't want me to I almost forced him into it I says I'll sleep in the attic The rules were if anybody that will hide a Jew They'll be shot In the morning he goes to town And he comes back Two hours later and he says The ghetto's surrounded They're killing the Jews They're taking them out They're liquidating the ghetto And I want you to leave And he says I'm not going to leave now Not at daytime. He says, "I'm going to throw you out. You throw me out, and I'm going to tell him that if I get caught, that you hit me overnight. I blackmailed him. Got dark. I went through the fields to the next little village. No baggage, no luggage, nothing. Just that little piece of paper. And I went to the train, bought a ticket, and I boarded the train."
6: Bedroom was trouble fest and we heard that the ghettos are being liquidated. And then of course came the, when they, the day that they killed all the children. I was at that day in like a hospital. I hurt my foot and I got an infection, and I was in one of the barracks. A week before, Eichmann came and he said he wanted to know exactly how many children are in this camp because they don't get enough milk, so he would bring a cow and so he counted the children and a week later two trucks came and the children were playing and they took all the children put them in trucks and none of us ever know what happened to the children and the night when the women came from the work and the children were not at the gate I still can hear the screams, the screams When I was freed I worked uh, a short time in a place where they killed cattle and sheep. And every time the sheep cried, I could hear the mother screaming when the children were taken.
8: We fought to keep our sanity. Surprisingly, in ghetto, there were a lot of books. The lady who had a library before the war, she brought it to the ghetto. And we used to, you know, pay a little bit and take out books and read. If you read, you forget the hunger. We made amateur theaters, tap dancing, singing, just anything to try to keep the sanity. But we had hope. We were young. Of course, they will come. Somebody will come. The whole world couldn't die on us. We tried to meet and talk about Israel, about anything, just not about the hunger.
5: You lived on like on a on a volcano, you know you th- you're going to blow up any minute because your stomach is so full of nerves from fear and they're they emptying out the building and the Gestapo standing in the streets with dogs the trams are ready for our building, next door building clearing out and we're still laying there in the quiet and we hear all this going on The shouting and the yelling. And it's getting quiet. We think everybody's gone. We can hear the trams. Chuck, 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 chuck away. But they are left standing on the opposite side. By the church. The Gestapo and the SS. They come back in the courtyard. And they start ripping down. The sheds. And that very big. The iron bar going across with a big lock. And they rip that off with crowbars and of course when they come in they see us all there we were discovered but there was about 700 or 800 people were hiding and we were amongst those people and when they come in they had these big I don't know what it was truncheons or wooden sticks they made us come out and we all went out in the street we stood like outside in the buildings And one of them was uh, strolling up and down and looking at us a lot. And he says, uh, who is the oldest Jew here? So of course he saw this man with the beard. He took it for granted he's the oldest Jew. You're the oldest Jew. Was that your idea about hiding? Weck. Weck. He hit himself.
8: A couple of days later, they came to our apartment. I start screaming, Mother, they're going to kill us all. You can hear.
0: Voices of the Shoah gives us a direct, and um, in many cases, of course, eyewitness accounts, and really just living through the horror accounts of what happened during World War II, and on this Yom HaShoah, it is so important that we focus just on that. We're going to have an opportunity to speak with Israel Stark later on, author of A Boy Named 68818, um, a story like you've never heard before. Well, a story that uh, in some ways may be similar to other survivors' stories, but every time you hear one individually, it's like you've never heard it before. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Around the world in the web, jmtham.org. Galitzal in the background, observing Yom HaShoah, of course, in Israel and around the world, but nowhere like in Israel.
14: עלי צהל השעה שתיים, כנרן יבנאי עם מה שקורה עכשיו. הותר לפרסום כי צהל חשף מנהרת טרור נוספת של חמאס בשטח ישראל. עם הפרטים, כתבן אותה לברם. המנהרה נחשפה בוקר בדרום הרצועה, באזור בו פעלו כוחות צהל בימים האחרונים, ושם נורו גם פציצות מרגמה לעבר הכוחות. בצהל לא יודעים לומר עדיין אם מדובר במנהרה ישנה או חדשה, גורם צבאי בכיר אומר כי צהל ימשיך במאמצים, לאתר מנהרות נוספת. גרושה מועצה אזורית אשכול גדי ארקוני מסר בצהריים, אין לי ספק שגילויה המקדים של המנהרה, הוכחה נוספת לפריצת הדרך המבצעית והטכנולוגית של הצבא, בהתמודדות עם איום המנהרות. שר הביטחון יעלון מאני גיבוי לסגן הרמטכאל אלוף יאיר גולן שמותקף מימין לאחר שאמר אמש בטקס יום השואה כי מפחיד לזהות בישראל תהליכים שקרו בגרמניה לפני 70 שנה. ההתנפלות עליו נוכח פרשנות מעובתת ממכוון שניתנה לדברים שאמר הן ניסיון במסה במסע המדאיג והמטריד לפגוע פוליטית בצהל ובקציניו. כח יאלון אלוף גולן עצמו פרסם הבוקר הבהרה שבה נכתב כי לא התכוון להשוות מן ישראל לגרמניה הנאצית. ב' אפולין יחל בעוד כחצי שעה Auschwitz Le Birkenau, אוש ויצ'ל בירקנאו. מדברים שליחנו רומל'י.
9: בשעה זו מסאירות מאוד קבוצות מחנה אחד. של קילומטרים עד למחנה בירקנאו. לאחר תקס מכאן, מחנה הריקוז והשמדה
14: בירקנאו מן הדברים שאמרו מהמשתתפים במצד.
9: I think it's powerful
1: to be here with like a lot of different uh people who want to remember the Holocaust.
15: I feel pretty proud to see how many people are here marching.
4: Amazing just seeing how much people
11: are here supporting what we've been
0: through.
14: אין מקום אחר כמו המדינה שלנו. עוד בחדשות בטורקיה מדווחים שראש הממשלה דהוב תעולו התפטר בקרוב מתפקידו בגלל מחלוקות עם הנשיא ארדואן. כתבתנו דנה גותר.
13: מפלגת הצדק והפיתוח מפלגת השלטון הטורקית תכנס בעידה חריגה ב-22 במאי. בעל יוחלף ראש בין היתר סביב של ארדואן לשנות את אופי המשטר התורכי למשטר נשיאותי
14: פועל בנייה נהרג לפני הצהריים לאחר שנפל מקומה שמינית באתר בנייה במאגן מיכאל בכל לא נפצע קשה פועל אחר שנפל גם הוא מגובה על פי המעקב של כתבתנו עדה שטייף מתחילת השנה נהרגו עשרים פואלים. כתבנו קובי מנדל מוסיף שבחוף בת גלים בחיפה טבע ומת מתרחץ כבין שבעים בגלת זה נמשך יום השידורים המיוחד, ליום הזיכרון לשואה ולגבורה, מיד אחרי החדשות, תוכניתה של ליד מודריק, פעם היו כאן חיים, המספרת את סיפורן של עשר קהילות יהודיות באירופה ובצפון אפריקה. התחזית, מחר עוד ירידה בטמפרטורות, ייתכן גשם מקומיקל קל בצפון ובמרכז. אלה החדשות שעורך הדר שיפר.
2: in the air like me and I hope it's a little and ich a little and it's a little and a little but what should I pain a little euch mein singt und spielt sich wunderlich. Mit Eich geht euch die Schein.
0: ...off of a collection entitled We Shall Live on this Yom HaShoah morning at JM in the AM. Eleven minutes after seven o'clock, day twelve in the counting of the Omer. Today is Yom HaShoah, today is Holocaust Remembrance Day. Please make sure to share with your children, your grandchildren, your students, your congregants... ...the fact that today is Yom HaShoah. And for at least a minute or two, as they do in Israel, collectively as a nation... uh, ...make sure to focus and concentrate on the fact that today we commemorate the loss of six million. In Israel, they spend a lot more time than that, but I'm referring, of course, to the siren that goes off during a Yom HaShoah morning and brings the country to a standstill so everyone can focus and concentrate and uh, think about those who gave their lives. Al-Kidush Hashem. JM in the AM, it's a Thursday, which means we have a full slate of programming on our stream at jmtheam.org and on the NSN app. I will get to um, the rundown of that entire schedule coming up. The author of A Boy Named 68818, Israel Stark, expected to join us coming up this hour here at JM in the AM. Tomorrow, our weekly update returns. Malcolm Homeline, seven forty Eastern Time tomorrow morning, will be uh, updating us regarding all the interesting things happening in this world of ours. Make sure to join us weekly update tomorrow, seven forty Eastern Time, right here at J M in the A M. Voices of the Shoah give us a perspective of what it was like through the narration and discussion of those who went through it. Voices of the show: are J.M. and the A.M.
8: A couple days later, they came to our apartment. I started screaming, mother, they're gonna kill us all. You can hear the Germans, they're gonna kill us. And with the dogs, till today, I wouldn't pet a dog for no money in the world. And my mother said, what should we do with grandma? My mother said, if I wouldn't be able to walk, would you leave me? I said, of course not, you're my mother. That's not even a question. She said, but you know that she's my mother. We didn't know what to do with grandma. My mother, and my aunt went over to grandma's bed and they dressed her and we walked to the railroad station. In kettle cars. There was not such a thing as 60 people or 80 people or 90. They just pushed you in. They said to take so many and so many kilos of, um, in a suitcase, your private belonging and be sure to put your name on it. Everything deception. There was a pail of clean drinking water and a pail for toilet facilities. It was August. The heat was unbearable. The pail. With the drinking water was gone in five minutes, and the other one was overflowing. A lot of people suffocate and just gave up. and You put them in the side. There were not too many children, but if there was a child, it was sitting. Finally, they unbolted the kettle cars, and you know kettle cars are higher. They didn't give you a stool to go down; just jump down. So a lot of people fell down, and it looked like, and Dante's hell. The German running with the big dogs, screaming, schnell, raus! and the lights. This I remember distinctly. Even when I was in the United States already years, when I saw those big lights, it scared me. They said, leave those suitcases belonging where you are, just go like that. My sister was a very pretty girl, blonde, blue eyes. She said, where am I? Tell me, have mercy in your heart. Tell me where am I. One man said to her, "I cannot tell you, but not a nice place." He said, "Give away the baby, and she has a chance to live." We said, "Ma, give away Hadassah. She will go in front of us," was another little girl about eight years old, Kosha, she will take care. Come with us, ma." And the little one held on to my mother like chains. My mother said, no, I go with the baby and with my mother. But you try to survive and stay together. And we went to the left. And I cried, and I cried very loud. I wanted my mother.
6: When we got to Auschwitz, which I didn't know it was Auschwitz, I did not know nothing about it. I did not know about concentration camps. I did not know what was going on at all. When we got there they told us rouse 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 and they start separating women from men cries it was just terrible the husbands were from wives the mothers from sons and it was left and right left and right i went to the right they told me to go to the right the assessment and can you imagine the screams the the mother was going to the left, the daughter was going to the right, the babies going to the left, the mothers going to the right, or the mothers went together with the baby. Oh, I cannot explain to you the cries.
8: And in front of us was the infamous Dr. Mengele. He said, "Quiet, no screaming. Sunday is the family day." I said to my sister, I don't care what day is today, how long can it be to Sunday? Not longer than six days. We went quietly because it's Sunday, you know, what can you do? You couldn't say, I want to go. And we were ushered in a long auditorium and told to strip naked, hair shaved all over and had a shower, a real shower with the soap. And after your hair is shaved and they give you a funny dress, no shoes, no underwear, we did not look human. And that was their purpose, to make us subhuman. This was Auschwitz, but we didn't know Auschwitz, even if they would tell me, I didn't hear of it. I didn't know where, what, and nobody knew. And there is a sign, big sign, uh, works makes you free in German. No, we are young, we're gonna work and Sunday is a family day. I did not know that there were crematorium and Auschwitz when I was there. After the war when I went with my daughter I said, how could I be so stupid not to see it, not to Auschwitz is nineteen square kilometers big, so maybe my block was
13: very far away
8: and I didn't see
13: this unbelievable situation of people being, and you, you, could, you could smell, you could smell these people being burned, all the time you smelled this, it was a little bit like, you know, when people used to boil glue, it was the bones that smelled like glue.
4: I closed my eyes and I made a vow whatever they're going to do to me, I want to survive. I don't want, I'll never let these people kill me because I could, I,
11: I, I, why, 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 why are they doing this? People to one block. And there was 30
4: block in that enclosure. Now. I was standing with my sister and other friends at the wire fence where all of a sudden we recognized a boy from our town on the other side. And I said, Hello, Mickey, Mickey, what's happening? What, what, what's going to happen to us? He said, Just don't. Scream, don't cry, and stand straight like a pole. They have guessed
11: our parents. And he told me that we have no more. Our parents have been
4: killed the first night, and he is working there. And you may not never see me again. And this is... This is... What they denying,
11: they that it didn't happen, but it did. And other friends of mine were
4: taken to the crematorium to clear away the things. We had to clear away the clothes and whatever was in them, put and and dig and that, and, and that went on for quite some time working outside the crematorium, taken in in the morning and brought back at night.
6: In the concentration camp, we were digging trenches for German soldiers. Our group was 1,200 women. We slept on straw, 10 women in one tent, and it was cold and in the morning our hair would freeze to the tent. And we used to laugh at each other because we had maps on our, excuse me, behinds, because every morning when the whistle blew, we had to jump out of our tent, and if you didn't jump out fast enough, then you got 25 beatings on your behind. And the Germans were very thorough. The one place they didn't follow us was in that restroom, which was, of course, on the field, an open space. It's just that it wasn't, the air wasn't very good there.
10: They beat us up and they chased us around. When you return from work, at night, you stretch out on the straw sacks. But they don't let you rest. They're coming through the doors, through the windows, with water hoses. They spray you, regardless of summer, winter. They step on you, and there was no rest. We always were prepared to accept something cruel. And every SS man had his specialty. So when we saw an SS man coming, we were prepared already. And many people died. We couldn't resist the Germans. They were heavily armed. And we had no arms. And we were undernourished. In the morning, before we went out, always 10, 15, we assembled, no sidurim, no uh, prayer books, no nothing. But we prayed. By heart. There are people who knew it by heart. People were watching. We shouldn't get caught because they would have killed us for it. We knew every holiday. We didn't have no calendars. When our holidays came, we got the special treatment. The Germans, they knew. Oh, tomorrow you have Passover. We will give you Passover. They took away their food. All New Year's. We show you what New Year's means. We know everything. We chained us together on the train. We're traveling, traveling. I look out through the window, and the stations we passed looked so familiar to me. Closer and closer to my hometown. An hour later, we stop. I look through the window, Auschwitz. So after three years being in other two camps, we didn't even know that other camps existed. We had no communication, no newspaper, nothing. And here's Auschwitz, and I know every building. They tattooed us right away. But not everybody was tattooed. They made selections, and they selected the sick ones, the old ones, and the children right away to the gas chamber, to Auschwitz too, to Brzezinka, to Birkenau. Only the people who were still capable to perform some kind of work were tattooed.
6: And every morning we would walk to the fields. And I would put my shovel on my shoulder and I would entertain the women. I would sing. And of course, the, the most popular song was Sorgnisch käme, las du gehst, dann wird's no weg. Vom Himmel blei, und er verstärkt unser weg. Kommen wir nach unser gewählte Schau. Es wird abwegt, unser Volk mir seinen da. Das Lied geschrieben ist mit Blut und nicht mit Dien. Er kennt sie.
1: If it's, it's,
6: okay. Anyway, see this song, Zognesh came, I can't sing it because I think Brennan, Zolti wie the Lichter lachen, the Nazi would say, yeah, yeah, that is very good. Because when I would sing, we would walk faster. All of us were hungry and cold and frozen, we were barefooted, and it was snow, but luckily I didn't lose any toes, I didn't lose my feet, and I'm still dancing. That was my very favorite song, because I would mimic the Polish accent, the Polish used speak different and the women would start laughing instead of crying and i guess this was also helpful for me very often when we marched home that same guard would pull me out and would say the women cry why don't you go in the front and sing it was hopeless the good guards used to tell us why are you suffering in the end we anyway have to shoot you all
3: the Germans periodically rounded up Jews in the camps where the weakest would be chosen for death.
8: You know, they were quite often selection. They told you to strip naked in front of the Germans and if you had the smallest blemish, you were not good. They put
6: my mother in in the bed line. I couldn't let her go by herself. I just got in and this old guard said, what are you doing here? And I said, my mother is here. He hit me over the head and he took me out because he said, we need good workers, which in a way really saved my life. I had mixed feelings, you see. I wanted to go with her, yet I also was afraid. The pull for life is very strong.
0: The pull for life is very strong. J.M. and the A.M. on this Yom HaShoah Holocaust Remembrance Day morning, 27 minutes after 7 o'clock, Day 12 in the Counting of the Omer. I thank you for joining us. Halfway through our J.M. and the A.M. commemoration for Yom HaShoah on this Holocaust Remembrance Day. Uh, it, take, it gives us an opportunity to focus. It gives us an opportunity to um, to do what our brothers and sisters in Israel do for at least a couple of minutes each Yom HaShoah, and that is to to concentrate, to think, to remember the sacrifice made by millions. Those millions who died, Al-Kiddush Hashem, those millions who died for no other reason other than being Jews. Today is Yom HaShoah. We continue with our programming here at JM and the AM. A reminder, we do have incredible programming on our stream all day long at jmnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. Following J.M. and the AM, Charlie Harari with The Boardroom, Michael Fragan with Spin Class, Allison Joseph's Jew in the City Speaks, featuring a conversation with special guest Chaim Levin, who's a survivor of abuse and has become an activist in that area, Miriam al with That's Life, beginning at 10.30 Eastern Time this morning, will interview photographer Doris Levin about the Forgotten Survivors exhibit that's opening at Jewish Home Family. Live lunch will be at uh, 11 o'clock. Our... um, Stunt show will likely be a uh, replay of Charlie Harari and his um, special from a couple of years ago on Yom HaShoah. Throwback Thursday will be a Yom HaShoah program from many, many years ago. One we did at JM and the AM 13 years ago. That will be on between 2 and 5 o'clock. And then will start rounding out our day at JM in and, of course, on the NSN app. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Echonish Masar of Zebin of Yosef and Esther Basar of Yosef Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser. Here is.
9: Sorry. Look. Good morning. We're going to be continuing with our series on Sphira. It says in Vayikra Hashem says, You shall observe my decrees and laws, which man shall carry out, and by which he shall live. I am Hashem. Rashi points out that the Pasuk is referring to life in Olam Haba, the world to come. The conclusion of the Pasuk signifies Hashem's promise to give each individual His just reward. The Talmud tells us in Kedushan that there is no reward for mitzvahs and good deeds in this world. The payment for mitzvahs performed in this world is conferred in Olam Haba, as Rashi notes. However, the Talmud and Erevin expounds on the prime to make him perish. Hashem does reward his enemies for the mitzvahs and good deeds that they might have done in the world in order that they don't merit Olam Haba. The Chavetz Chaim comments that often when the Pasuk says, I am Hashem, Rashi invokes Hashem's fidelity to reward the individual in Olam Abba. He explains that it is Hashem's unique promise to us comparable to a document of indebtedness that will be executed personally by Hashem Himself. The Medrash Rabban Megillus Rus cites a similar concept. It says that in the past, a person would do a mitzvah and the Navi would record it for posterity. Now, Eliyahu Novi and Mashiach record the good deed. Then Hashem signs the confirmation. Obviously, when the king signs a proclamation to reward someone for his actions on behalf of the king, it would be impossible for the treasury of a sm- small small town funds. The individual will have to travel to the capital city. He'll have to seek compensation from the king's royal treasure house. Similarly, the reward for one who fulfills the mitzvahs of Hashem is so great that it's impossible to pay him satisfactorily in this world. Even more, it's explained that a person's reward for doing a mitzvah is commensurate with the degree of honor and integrity that infuses its performance. The rasha, who may be compelled to do the mitzvah because of pressure or personal benefit, He's not motivated by reverence for Hashem and therefore he can receive his reward in this world for it's not incalculable. However, those who follow in Hashem's ways and do the mitzvahs with sincerity and good intentions, their reward is inestimable. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day.
0: J.M. in the A.M. Today is Yom HaShoah. Today is Holocaust Remembrance Day. In the background, this is the siren that sounds throughout Israel on Yom HaShoah. The country comes to a halt. Everybody leaves their cars. Pedestrians stand still. And everyone has an opportunity to contemplate, to concentrate, to think about those who perished at the hand of the enemies, Al-Kiddush Hashem, during World War II. Let us not take the state of Israel for granted. Let us not take the sacrifice made by millions for granted. Let us take a couple of minutes or more on this Yom HaShoah and tell our children, our grandchildren, our students, our congregants, our constituents about this day and how important it is to remember those who are no longer with us. It is a uh, it is a profound honor to welcome uh, Israel Stark to our airwaves. Israel Stark is the author of a boy named six eight eight one eight. It is the gripping true life account of spiritual resistance and survival under horrific circumstances. Israel Srulik Stark was born outside Munkac in the former Czechoslovakia. At the age of 14, he was taken along with his family and community by the Nazis. He lived through four different death camps over the course of his internment until his liberation in 1945. The memoir recounts his life and experiences of Srulik Storch before, during, and after the events of the Shoah. This dramatic memoir is uniquely targeted to tweens as well as adults. The story speaks to the generation of today who may know little or nothing of the Holocaust era. It introduces the tragic events of the Holocaust of today's youth in order to pass on and preserve its lessons, ones which remain startlingly relevant to this day. Let me also mention before I welcome Mr. Israel Stark to our airwaves that he will be presenting this morning at the Shulamit School in Cedarhurst beginning at 10.30. The community is welcome to attend. And um, uh, the book available, of course, uh, everywhere. There is a website, a boy named six eight eight one eight dot com. Mister Israel Stark, welcome to JM in the AM.
15: Good morning. Good morning, Rab Nachum. How I, are you this morning?
0: I am. I'm fine. I I am. I am honored to have you on. Uh, in a in a way, I I find myself. Uh, uh somewhat speechless and uh, not n- sure where to begin your story I-, I read the book it is it is uh like many other accounts of those who survived just an un it-, it it is unbelievable in that for our generation and i'm sure for anybody who's lived through quote unquote normal times, it is almost impossible to believe that one could go through what you went through it's hard to believe enough that one could put you through what they put you through, but that you were able to survive. To
15: answer your questions, please. Uh, the first one I would like to express my heartfelt thanks to you for giving me this uh, opportunity to say a few words uh, on this uh, very important day of of Zichroin, when we have to remember. And the second thing, uh, I would like to uh, give a shavach b'hoi to the Rebbeinu that he gave me the, the the years and the strength to be able to express my feelings and my experiences to so many young people of different ages, which I have been doing for the last 20, 25, 40 years, and uh, I really hope, and I hope to the Rebbeinu will continue to give me strength to do so, to carry on this important information. That all the children and the grandchildren should learn about this, this terrible
0: time. Is it difficult for you to declare that publicly and to, and to thank God publicly when I and other readers can relate to this audience how much you lost and what was taken from you and how devastating all these episodes were in your early part of your life?
15: Well, I, I just want to make an observation that it is certainly not uncommon to any any uh, survivor that uh, there were so many others in in the Mishpoch and so forth that also uh, lost so many loved ones and went through the same thing. But uh, everyone has his own can write his own book uh, because there are no uh, two experiences alike.
0: Simil- that is true. What gets me, and I don't know if uh, maybe I'm at an age where it's more, you know, it's more um, pronounced to me. What gets me is the adjustment that has to be made as every one of these transitions is taking place. For instance, uh, at some point, and you and you and your family, and again, you were very young, so obviously the adults in the family, I'm sure, felt it more. But even you, as you write, you know, picked up the fact that there was something going on, that there was some unease in the community and in your family. Um, your family is feeling all this, and then all of a sudden, of course, you know, the, the soldiers show up at the door, decide to, you know, move into your house, and I'm not exaggerating, that's exactly what happened, correct?
15: At the Seder, when my father uh, recited the Vahishiyam de there were uh, several German officers in uh, just a door away because they have uh, uh, t- uh, confiscated one of our rooms for, for their own use. And that was uh, a few weeks before Pesach. And during the Seder, they, they happened to be in the next room well, well, when my father conducted the Seder. So uh, I think one can imagine the mood you know, of the Seder that that my family was in at that moment.
0: I, I, that's it. It's, it's so hard to imagine. And... So difficult to comprehend. Uh, how, how was anybody, especially the adults, able to sleep at night during that period? It must have been impossible.
15: Well, as a young boy, I have. Uh, you, you must. Uh, you probably know that we did not have any radios, uh, or certainly there was no television at the time. Uh, I did get uh, some of my sisters uh, receive certain magazines, uh, Hungarian magazines. Uh, And so forth, which I was able to read as a cheder boy, and uh, find out uh, basically what's going on in the world. Uh, And the second source of news, which was very important, was the mikveh. I used to uh, place myself in the side of the mikveh and every uh, time uh, sit there for uh, several hours and hear uh, every every yid came in with uh, with uh, with his own news. uh, flesh and, and what's going on in the world and also express his own opinion. And I carried that with me, and I carried it home.
0: At some point, uh, your family is informed uh, directly, you know, face-to-face, that they have an hour to pack up. You have an hour to pack up, whatever you want to take, and, and gather together at the shul for the next set of instructions, right?
15: That is absolutely right. That, that was exactly on, on the... Uh, I say uh, uh, uh morning, the morning after Achron Shel Pesach, it was on Chag. We uh, still did not uh, get rid of the out of the, of the. I'm sorry of the of the kalim, of the Pesach kalem There was no chometz in our house yet, and there was a knock on the door, informing us. Uh, first of all, they wanted to know if all the members of our family are present, and uh, the second command was: we give you one hour to pack and uh and carry with you uh to a certain place uh for gathering uh whatever you can pack uh well uh can you imagine or can you listeners imagine Khli if they would have such a uh a command to 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 leave their home and pack whatever they can in in one hour what do you take what do you pack my mother did not have any fancy suitcases, and she had uh took a big sheet uh Uh, and started throwing in some articles of clothing and and a few other articles that I was not aware of. And uh, and she packed, and we showed up where we were told to show up.
0: And she encouraged your sisters to run to the forest, right?
15: No, uh, she did not encourage my sisters. My sisters did this on their own. As they heard uh, this command being given at the front door, uh, they opened up uh, the back window of our home, which we we were located next to a forest or or a very beautiful uh, area of uh, wooded area and they have gone out through the window Uh, fortunately i found out after liberation that my older sister had sense enough to instruct her younger ones to go back in and take out some candlesticks in my father's becher and a few pieces of jewelry which she uh, managed to bury right under that window uh, they go home, bury under that window, and I was not aware of it. I, in, after the war, she came back. They fortunately, uh, they also survived, and, and they uh, uh, found all that and, and uh, buried under that window. We still have uh, my father's becher today. I use it on, on the Yom in and on Shabbos and on special occasions.
0: Yeah, I, I read that. I i don 't mean to jump ahead but um, and and it is your two sisters who are your other family members who survived. If the key to your survival let 's just say for argument 's sake was was the fact that you were a good worker and valuable to the Nazis, and i know it 's a lot more complicated than that but it, but and, and you were able to stay healthy relatively if that was the what was the key to their survival was there a and i, I don 't know i, I don 't even know if, if it 's something that they would want to share publicly you 'll have to tell me, but I, I was just curious. What was their road to freedom throughout this entire experience?
15: Uh, the key to my survival, uh, I can give you in a very short uh, few, few words, was Imunas Hashem. Uh, without that, uh, there probably would, been, would have been no uh, use to go on and, and try to fight every day, or I should say maybe every minute. Uh, it was uh, like walking on a tightrope, you know. Uh, any any little thing could 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 uh, sort of kill you over. Uh, but uh, my basic uh, Muna was based on, on Muna Shashem. the Rebbeinu Still is our 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 God, and, and even though that there may have been hester ponim, or or I could not answer. Many many of my friends asked me, how could you believe in the Rebbeinu How could you tell us? To try and and hold out and survive, don't you see? Why don't you turn around and see right, what's going on right in the back of you? Uh, when I try to discourage this type of feeling, because <clears throat> when somebody came to me with these diners, I was uh, very very discouraged that this person is giving up, and giving up uh, was one of the causes that many people uh, did not survive.
0: And I asked about your sisters was that their, was that their path to survival as well was well? It, was it they,
15: they had the same sorry, the same upbringing as I did, so consequently, I have never really discussed with them or never told me uh, what their thoughts were during those terrible uh, days, uh, but I imagine they also had to have immun uh to that eventually uh maybe just maybe we will be able to live through this ordeal f- uh but they never told me really uh, exactly what has sustained them uh, during the during these these days
0: the first train that you were put on was after that shul in munkach right
15: no the first train they they took us of course for, uh, after the um, packed and showed up there after a while they made sure that everybody it's present, so they took us to a ghetto, which was in, in Munkac, right, or at right. the outskirts of Munkac. The it was a brick factory. Right. Uh, it was a college brick factory, and there were two of them on east side of Munkac, where they gathered uh, uh, those those unfortunate uh, people. And, uh, of course, from there, I really don't recall exact time uh, that we were in the, in the ghetto, but eventually they told us that uh, we are going to some Hungarian farms for... Uh, do some farm work, and the families would stay together. And loaded us up on the way to to Auschwitz.
0: Right. And and before we get to that experience, uh, there the, the, there there was someone you remember, a non Jew who tried to who tried to give the people in there uh, food and water. Am I correct?
15: There was. Uh, I don't remember that incident, but my sisters uh, were aware of it, and they arranged. Uh, that one of their uh, friends, uh, which was uh, a a non-Jewish friend of theirs, uh, came to uh, uh, the ghetto and and brought some food for us, uh, uh, which which was very much in need, because uh, as I said, it was the day after Pesach, and nobody uh, was able to bring along any food uh, with them. Uh, at, on that morning that we were taken away, All right,
0: and, and and of course that was at the risk. I mean, the, the, the people risked their lives if they would do that, right? If they were found out, they would they would likely be. Uh, ev- well,
15: not uh, so much in in Hungary or in our area, uh, I think. Uh, then, because uh, you have to realize that they did not have any more uh, the ability to to or the personnel. I should say their their their. Uh, uh, people that did the dirty work for them to enforce everything. Mm. Uh, as a matter of fact, I remember quite clearly when they loaded us up in the trains, there was only two Hungarian gendarmes and one German officer present and, uh, on that entire operation. And and can you imagine, there were, there were probably uh, several thousand uh, nefashas were loaded on, on this train, so uh, certainly there could have been a uh, very easily, we could have overcome them and run away, but... Uh, but this is a different, uh, different sheet, this is uh, a different setter, Uh that nobody, uh, nobody helped us, and nobody encouraged us to do anything of that sort.
0: Israel Stark is author of A Boy Named 68818. What can you tell us? I just think it's so important, aside from the curiosities, I just think it's so important that we get a perspective. It's something we just can't relate to. What can you tell us about those experiences on the trains on the cattle cars
15: well the experience on the train was uh, since uh, we were told that uh, we were going to be heading towards uh, uh, some hungarian uh, farms and do some farm work and uh, we wanted to believe that of course uh, just like we wanted to believe many other shimuras that came through in in Munkac uh, from some people that managed to, to come back with the, from the uh, working conscripts, uh, conscripts from the Hungarian uh, uh, young people that they took for work in, in, instead of the army. And they have witnessed some of the uh, real terrible schitties in communist Podolsk in, in these most terrible areas. And, and a few people here, there managed to escape from there also, very few. And so I remember as a little boy, we, uh, these, these shamours came back to us, This news filtered through, but we, we just refused to believe it. Nobody wanted to believe it because it was so terrible. So basically, uh, so once the train started moving, uh, they lifted me up and said, Zulik, uh, there was a little—the uh, only opening from the from the freight car was a little rectangular uh, window." And they usually the train sh- slowed up and it passed the main uh, railroad station like Koshitsa and others. And says, "Why don't you read off to us uh, what uh, station that train is passing through?" And uh, I did this several times, and of course, in every time it passed through a station. And i the mood kept on changing in in that in that freight car uh, because we realized that we are not going to any Hungarian farms at that yeah. point
0: in inside the train are people crying? are people praying? Are people unable to move what what is it like?
15: uh yes, people were unable to move, but there was no there was no discussion, there was no crying, there was silence, but the silence itself had an effect on you because uh, somehow uh, i don't know sometimes people say something which has an effect on, on, on another person but here the silence had an effect on everybody and just everybody for was sitting with with his or her thoughts and uh, either say tell him or or uh, or or um, contemplated uh, what the future will bring but uh, nobody talked
0: the longest you were on a train was how long
15: I don't remember exactly, but it may have been uh, maybe two days or maybe two and a half days, and finally the train slowed up, and, and they told me again, uh, Sulek, what do you see? And I, I also felt that uh, this is the end of the line because I looked out at little opening, and I reported to everybody in that freight car, and I said, I see a big platforms with all types of of, of bundles and, and and suitcases and around that platform and uh and sure enough, the train as pretty soon came to a halt and and uh the the doors clanged open so to speak, and suddenly the, the fresh air uh came in and, and and enlivened us again and the command was given aussteigen uh everybody get off and uh and but uh i my mother uh my mother uh sort of uh motioned to me don't get off, wait and i waited and and then the, the rest is, uh, is, is, is history, which, which is in the book. I don't want to go in and take up yeah. much time.
0: No, I understand. I, and I know what you're referring to in terms of that episode. Is that the last time you saw your mother?
15: That is the last time I saw my mother.
0: And the actual... Because an officer actually separates both of you, right? Am I right that, that an officer
15: well and there wasn't an officer no it was one of the prisoners it was a young man in a striped suit who was in charge of the arrival of that transport
0: right yeah that's what i mean i mean he someone in authority sure
15: that everybody cleared out of the right. of the of the freight cars and of course my mother didn't because she started uh, putting on this clothing on me right so uh, finally he came back and and he uh, actually mounted the 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 freight car and and warned us to get off immediately and he also issued the the information to me at that time that uh, told me, Ingela, uh, uh, he says, be nice, says, I am I am Fersen, and he says, first, and de, and,
0: Right, in other words, he asks you how old you are, you say 14, and he says to you, you're 18.
15: He says, you're not 14, you are 18. And I uh, argued with him, but finally he looked at me, and he says, Ingela, the Freakman is kind cautious. Here you don't ask any questions. I tell you you're 18, you're 18, and I remember that and get off. So that my father handed me the film, and he says, please hold on to these as long as you can. And uh, we uh, got off finally that freight car, and that was the last time I saw my mother.
0: In, in a way, that uh, person of authority, whoever it was that was in charge of getting everyone off the train, in a way, he saved you, because if, if they would have known, or if you would have admitted to your real age, would it have been over for you?
15: That's absolutely correct. In other words, no, not in a way, but he actually saved my life, because I have, he wouldn't have tipped me off. I remember when it came to the selection, I, I am not aware, I don't know whether it was Mengele, the famous Mengele or, or some other, uh, some other, I already say, but uh, uh, the question was uh, my father was in front of me, and the question is, the uh, du comes to Arbeiten, and uh, of course uh, everybody gave their answer, and then he motioned to go which direction to go, and uh, so my father uh, gave the answers, and then my turn came, and the first question was the du and I had all this clothing on me, and uh, of course I was also as, as a boy, I was a tall boy, and um, and I said Achsen, and he says comes to Arbeiten, and I says here we all?" So he motioned to me go in the same direction as my father. Wow! Which, of course, was the first save my life. There's no doubt about it. And of course, uh, starting at that moment, after we got our uniform, so to speak, my my struggle for, for existence and my father's struggle for existence started.
0: Yeah, it started that day. When was the last time you saw your father?
15: <clears throat> no, my father also. We from Auschwitz. We were only in Auschwitz. Probably about. I don't maybe the most uh, two weeks, right. and then they loaded us up again uh, on the way to Mauthausen. Mauthausen was uh, one of the most uh, terrible vernichtungslagers. It, it was it was uh, just just created for that, but also to distribute the supply of of, of, of new uh, fresh labor uh, to many of the satellite camps. So Mauthausen, as I said, was separated with my father through a. To a uh, freak accident
0: a boy named six eight eight one eight Israel Stark is with us live via telephone. He is the author um you were given that number at Auschwitz, correct? No,
15: I was given that number in Matthausen
0: in mathausen okay
15: yeah and i don't I was not tattooed, and of course I found out uh, uh, just about four or five years ago. Through Yad Vashem, why uh, certain uh, prisoners, why uh, certain heathen were not tattooed. I uh, do not want to take up too much time and go into this uh, particular reason. But I, I was handed a little piece of cloth with a red triangle and uh, with the number six eight eight one eight, and I was told, uh, little boy, uh, from now on, uh, this is your name. Your name is no more Yisroel Star. And uh, this is the title of the book that I decided to uh, come up with, uh, which is I'm I'm just getting some tremendous uh, feedback about uh, success. I, I never imagined such success with this book. And uh, certainly it was not uh, the reason I, I, I came out with it was not uh, for any profits or anything. There would be no profits there. But it, it has been really amazing uh, how uh, people... Are, are are excited about it, and, and educational, people in education. And what is really the most surprising, uh, Nachum, to me, is the non-Jewish uh, population, how they are uh, constantly calling me and reordering the book uh, to many different schools and, and different institutions and libraries.
0: Hmm, unbelievable. At any point, did you feel there was any significance that the number ended with high?
15: No. Uh, I was uh, just uh, recently, uh, since I came out with the book, I mean, some people have made that observation, uh, but I have, uh, I have never really thought about that. This might be uh, a certain symbol or a certain sign that, uh, that, the, that it ends with 18. Of course, you have to also realize that many times uh, the uniforms, uh, or I call it the uniform, our clothing became soiled or, or, or torn or so forth. So uh, there was no problem getting another uh, set of clothing, uh, of the prison clothing. But uh, the most important thing was I constantly was very careful to transfer that number over right. from from my old uh, torn jacket to to my new one. So uh, if I we would not be caught without a number, or, or for some reason or other. Or punished because of that,
0: and I hate to even uh, I hate to even mention why it was easy to get replacement uh, uniforms.
15: Uh, you you're right. I mean you don't have to mention it, but there was no no problem. The mm. shoe was a different problem because any good shoes uh, were mostly even even disappeared uh, uh, in in barracks. So uh, and so they issued if somebody needed shoes, they issued wooden shoes. There was there was there was the the shoe. Uh, Basic uh, for for prisoners uh, in, in 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 the concentration
0: camp. I, I hope you don't mind um, if I ask you what, what what some people might think are inane curiosities, but I it just it, it's it I don't get this opportunity too often uh, to ask someone like yourself who remembers it so clearly and who's willing to share the information. Uh, nighttime in the barracks: uh, is there conversation? Is there any is there any activity? Is there is there, is there is there overwhelming despair? What, what is it like?
15: Well, yes, at nighttime in the barracks, uh, we had, let's say, an hour or two before uh, actually fell asleep in in the bunks. I always managed to be uh, the, and there were three tier bunks. I always managed to be on the top tier. Sometimes we were uh, seven uh, we slept seven uh, like, like sardines, uh, uh, head in different directions. And sometimes we were even ten. Uh, of course, the, the, the lice was was unfortunately the, the, one of the biggest problems, and uh, to, to be eaten up alive uh, through these parasites. But basically, most conversations uh, just uh, were are, are along food, 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 food. Remember what I ate. Remember what we had. And remember this. And of course, we we uh I, I, I probably read about couple in the, in, in the book. A couple was, uh, of course, our uh, computer, and uh, we had no energy, or there was no need for for me or to my friends to uh, try and uh, keep a husband, whether it's uh, five days in in, in York or or whether Yontev was coming right, out. Right,
0: Koppel was the man who was able to keep track of that, right.
15: But he, uh, we wanted to know what day it is, and right. we wanted to know what week it is, or whether it's uh, about Hoidish. All we had to do was consult with the couple, and, and he gave you the answer immediately.
0: Right, which, which, which it, it struck me so when I read about that, that how many people, you were lucky in that he was there. How many people went through these situations? Didn't even know what day it was, and I'm not even—I'm not even talking about wondering when Shabbos is. Just it, it, it must be so disconcerting when when it's just one day into the next, and you have no idea—you know—any uh, any judgment of time, space, anything.
15: You're right. There was, those, of course, you, you have to realize we had no watches, we had no paper, we had no calendars. Uh, we had nothing of a kind. We only we could forestel when when de- when is the daylight and when is when is the time when night it comes around. Uh, but basically uh, any other information it, it was something that we, nobody wanted to spend some energy and try to uh, figure out uh, uh, what date it is because it was of no importance. Every day was just trying to live through and trying to exist another day. So, but uh, but of course, sometimes we did have to know because we wanted to know if, uh, uh, still if if we miss uh, let's see, M Kipper or Kipper is coming up, or Sukkot and or any other uh, date. So, couple was there, and, and that was a uh, uh, God uh, given, uh, I think, gift to us.
0: America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners' sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, JM and, the am.org. and of course on the NSN app. Israel Stark is with us on this Yom HaShoah, this Holocaust Remembrance Day. The book is entitled, A Boy Named 68818. Later today, Mr. Stark is going to be the guest speaker at the Shulamit School in Cedarhurst starting at 10.30 this morning. The community is welcome to attend. and. As you hear this story, you could see and uh, hear why it's so important to attend and encourage your children to do so as well. Um, you talk about you just mentioned in terms of the calendar and not knowing days. You talk about someone, I assume, it was couple uh, discovering or remembering that Yom Kippur was approaching, and there was actually there was actually a spontaneous Yom Kippur service, if we can call it that, in the barracks. Right, people were just trying to recall whatever they could of the Yom Kippur liturgy. Am I right?
15: You are absolutely right. Um, we did not. Uh, it was almost like uh, an immediate decision. Uh, they went around asking, "Do you? Can you recite any of the fillers from Kipper night uh, by heart?" And of course, there were quite a few um, uh, individuals, quite a few prisoners who still uh, remembered very clearly certain fillers uh in and, and from you night uh, like uh, i of course call everybody was aware of but right. i i uh, was uh, laying on my bunk and and started suddenly heard the uh, all these all fillers these and i uh, and the same thing is and suddenly the the beautiful somebody said yale with a beautiful ning and 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 everybody started crying and 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 it, it was the cries were so loud and, and it was heartbreaking, but at the same time, many felt you know every minute they're gonna break in, come in with with uh, who knows with uh, what, weapons or 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 some other uh, things and and just and just um, uh, uh, completely destroy us. But nothing of this sort happened. I fell asleep during during those when those fellows were going on. In the morning, I, I wake up and I say to my uh, friend who was next to me, and one of my friends, and I say, I had a, had a very interesting dream. I have a dream <laughs> that... And finally, he, he straightened me out. He says, Sulek, there was no dream that actually took place. And it took place, and thank God uh, nobody uh, really has uh, disturbed that and, and, and destroyed us.
0: Uh, you, you, uh, obviously, you saw many people being killed. Uh, you yourself went through a at least one terrible beating, uh, if not others. Uh, did you wake up each morning wondering, is this the day I'm going to be killed? Is this the day I'm going to be beaten? Is this the day that life is going to end?
15: No. Everybody woke up every morning and tried to say, how am I going to manage to get through the day without being punished or without being in any way murdered? So... Uh, that was the, uh, the 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 basic thing, just to get through another day, where you did not commit any terrible, uh, I would say, uh, sin as far as as far as these Russians were concerned, uh, that you that you needed to be punished. I was punished uh, uh, by uh, they gave me twenty five lashes. Uh, yes, after work, they called again sixty eight eight eighteen, and when somebody heard uh, any any number. It usually wasn't very good news. So some uh, of the German, uh, um, uh, I would say, managers that managed our work, uh, reported to 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 the capo that I uh, uh, I did not do my job, which was uh, bringing those those pointers uh, for 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 uh, into the tunnels, for be able to to advance with the drills, and I was late or I was goofing off, so. Uh, they, they gave me 25 lashes, uh, which was uh, terrible, of course. And uh, If it wouldn't be for my friends who gave me the tremendous support at that time and helped me to get back to camp uh, and so forth. And thank God, uh, eventually, it, um, I, I healed, and, and I overcame uh, that punishment, too. So, again, it was the will of the Rebbein Shalom for, for me to, to go on from one thing to the other.
0: You, the the nature of your work kept you out of bad weather conditions very often, which you write is a tremendous advantage because most people had to suffer in the outdoors in very bad weather, right?
15: No, the advantage of my work was something else. The advantage of my work was that I had access to fire. To fire? Nobody else had. Right. Like, <clears throat> because these pointers that I carried in and out of the tunnels, they had to be sharpened. And we could not have any fire going inside the tunnel. Because they would probably consume some of the oxygen there, so uh, I had to carry it out. But having access to fire gave me a tremendous advantage, because uh, uh, many many of the prisoners came down with dysentery. Dysentery was one of the biggest biggest problems. Many got so bad that they had to go into check into a revere so a hospital, so to speak. But unfortunately, I don't know, I remember anybody that ever checked out. Right. So, uh, consequently, I managed to to, to to make a deal with a blacksmith, and I told him, can I burn some wood? And I was told that, that uh, charcoal is a refuer for dysentery. So I, I burned some wood, and I let it cool off, and then I scraped off the, uh, the charcoal or the burn part right. into a powder, uh, the problem was i didn't have uh, where to how to package that but finally, finally i found some big leaves near a pond which i packaged that black powder and uh, then some some paper from cement bags and i distributed this to some of uh, the prisoners suffering from that machler and uh, many of them many of them told me truly it was a great help it was a great help so that was one of the Tremendous advantages that I had that nobody else had is the access to fire.
0: And what, and what about the weather, though? Because uh, obviously you're not clothed properly, and at night I'm sure you're not covered the way you would normally be in these days. I mean, The
15: weather, the weather was only a factor in, in the time when they – because we, ha- we were, in, of course, in the camp and milk in the camp itself. But the work was, I would say, about a half an hour, uh, three-quarters of an hour away. Uh, from From the camp in in the mountains where we built tunnels, which eventually uh, the the Germans wanted to use it for industrial purposes and establish some factories in these in these tunnels uh, so uh, but so inside working inside uh, the, the the weather was not a factor. the weather could only be a factor of marching back and forth uh, from the uh, back into the camp and sometimes it was absolutely in the winter time, absolutely unbearable, and people were just crying or, 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 or wanted to give up. And uh, I remember in my group started to sing. We 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 were uh, saw that it was a very a terrible uh, um, situation, and we started singing. And eventually, believe it or not, little by little, others started to joining us, uh, us in, in helping us sing. I think it took away some of the Terrible condition of, of feeling the the terrible cold and, and the rain and the wind and the snow. So uh, that was also a great moment.
0: Israel Stark is with us. Were, were you were you given food more than once a day?
15: Uh, we were given food in the morning. We were given some kind of a um, uh, it was called a tea or a soup, uh, which was based, um, I I felt it was made from caraway seeds, but the, the portion of bread, uh, which uh, I say we couldn't call bread because it was not regular bread. Uh, It was a loaf divided sometimes in eight portions and sometimes in six portions. It was given to us uh, every evening uh, after we came back from work and with uh, some soup, supposed to be called a gumiza or or a vegetable soup, uh, I imagine from the leftovers of the of the the German kitchen, which uh, was ready to be uh, thrown out in the garbage.
0: Was there ever an episode or any indication that these vicious murderers had any humanity in them? Was there any encounter you ever had where you said to yourself, oh, wow, this really is a human being and not just the monster that they always are?
15: Yes, I had one encounter because I was also wounded in in an accident um, on this... uh, the air belt right
0: which you and, almost and i mean your right. your life almost ended in that episode
15: that is correct but uh, i was saved also there and um, so uh, basically uh, i tried to hide it because again uh, if you are not able to work do your job they you were not uh, useful anymore right uh, many times i was when we marched back and forth to to the working area uh, we used to go up uh, some steps, and there was one soldier who constantly was uh, outside uh, because we were always in five. Always we had to line up in five in a row, and I managed to stay outside uh, on, on the edge of the of the five uh, individuals. And he handed me sometimes an apple or or a, or a potato, which was a, a German soldier. Uh, the, other, the other incident, which I, I, my friends did not believe, and uh, I, I was, uh, it was already, uh, I believe it was in late, um, it must have been maybe in uh, October or November. I was walking down the camp uh, uh, grounds, and we had a, every time a German officer approached or, or came towards us, we had to stop and take the, our mitzvah. The mitzvah is the camp. And, and wait till, uh, till he passed by. And this time I see this this big officer with tremendous, uh, beautiful uniform. It was an Air Force officer coming towards me. I stopped, and I took my mitzvah off and, uh, like I'm supposed to, and then I started passing him by and uh, with my mitzvah off, and finally I heard the word halt. I stopped in my tracks, and he told me da nishtarum." He said, "Don't turn around." He was facing one direction; I was facing the other direction, and then I heard the words "svet nisht mer halt down, my house." He <laughs> said, "It will not last much longer. Hold out a little more."
0: In reference to the war, obviously.
15: In reference to the war. Wow. Right. So he, after, that was the the only words I heard. He uh, continued walking his direction. I continued walking my direction. I come back to the barracks. I told, I was, I was mumish. I told my friends, "Do you know what just happened?" And they said, "Srulek, like, why are you dreaming up these things? Why are you telling us something?" And I, I just would not, would not believe that something like this occurred. But uh, to me, it was quite clear and quite, uh, and I understood exactly what he said. And it was, uh, to me, a a, a revelation that something like this can happen.
0: How long after that was liberation?
15: Well, uh, after that, of course, they took us uh, again. uh, uh, Melk was, uh, the the Russian uh, army was, Melk was not far from Vienna. And the Russian army was approaching. So uh, there were three different ways that they uh, transported us out from Melk into Ebensee. And uh, so I would say probably uh, a liberation took place. Uh, do you realize that uh, tomorrow is the date of my liberation in Ebenzay, in, in which is May the 6th? Wow. So I, it's apropos that uh, you gave me the opportunity to express a few of my thoughts and my experiences at, at this time.
0: Unbelievable. Um, how old were you at liberation, 15, 16?
15: Something like that, yeah.
0: And, um...
15: That is, it. that is in itself liberation. In itself, is a tremendous, it's a very, very important time. Uh, and I think that one, uh, we we seldom speak about the moment of liberation, but I would say that is was the key to the future. In my own memory, I feel that uh, we were standing uh, under dark clouds, and 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 if it wouldn't have been for uh, moments where. But uh, with, with the closing book of Rebels, he said, you're going to lay where he came by and said, Reboisai, uh, we have to go back to our Mussoira. We have to go back to uh, what, our, what our mothers and fathers taught us. And we have to establish uh, girls' schools, and we have to do something. And, and, and he encouraged us. And uh, we were at this point, I imagine, it, it was like Purma again. He Kiblu Kiblu Kwar and And I can say only what what we have today what 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 the 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 in in the in the schools and the in the Talmud and the moisture that we have today in in Er in America and all over the world I think is because again the this the shaders which we are standing at that moment of liberation said oh
0: it's uh, difficult to argue with that I think you're hundred percent right. Um, you you write about what seems at least uh, you allude to it, uh, a group of young people, a, a group of your uh, of people your age who you were my peers, right, right, who you were close with, right. I think there were nine, I think you wrote, or eight or nine. seven. Not, seven. seven. Uh, we
15: were actually uh, eight, but uh, one got uh, no two nine, but two got uh, wounded. There was a bombing and Shavuot. I don't know it was Shavuot or the They bombed the. Uh, the german uh barracks, uh, which was around the camp, but uh many uh, we were also hit many barracks were hit with bombs, and they were uh, I happened to have been at work at that uh, afternoon or that day on day shift but uh two of my friends were uh, wounded, and uh, eventually I learned that they took them to a hospital where they nursed them back to to health in in a German hospital. And they brought in the Red Cross, and they took uh, history and pictures of how wonderful they, they are to, to, to those poor uh, prisoners. And they nursed them back. And once the, the Red Cross was finished with them and so far, they, they, they killed them. Wow. So they, 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 this is what we learned after liberation. There was no doubt about it.
0: Uh, what is it like for you, knowing that all this happened in your mid-teens, when you see mid-teens today, young boys and girls in our community who may not always appreciate life, who may not always understand how precious life is, what goes through your mind? And it, you know, it's funny. I'm I'm saying this. Um, I'm saying this right after the holiday of Pesach, because so many of us. So many of us look at so many things that we go through through the year as difficult as you know preparing for Pesach is difficult. observing Pesach can be difficult, and there are many di- and to someone like yourself, it must be a very, very different perspective.
15: Well, I will tell you frankly uh, I have gained strength from all this. I've gained strength in uh right after liberation i uh, took a dinner with Hashem, like everybody else and and only then did we realize the enormity of of the chorm of what took place, and of course we all had to make adjustments. And Hashem uh, I had the sense enough to make the adjustment that uh, there's uh, there's no other way except to go back to the mussayer that that my parents uh, brought me up and 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 also my the, the, my teachers. And uh, but I am sorry to say, um, and and I have to tell you, uh, which uh, gives me great pain, that I am very disappointed with the real, I would say, Chreidi or or the, the very froom community, that that they have not been in the, up in the front of teaching this harm Europe to their young people, and many young people unfortunately are not aware. And that's what pains me most, and anything because I feel uh, we just we just got through saying behold doir udom is i have been is obligated to 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 project himself like he just went out from from Egypt why because he should be able to we got it to lebinchub I mean, you should be able to tell it to your children and, and grandchildren. And these young people in the yeshivas today and the very, f- this are not, they're not given that information and they are not going to be, make, be able to be Mekaiim there. This is what pains me a great feel. But Baruch Hashem, I myself have been strengthened by all this and, and I am no problem talking about it and i'm doing my share because i think we he got it to lebinfeld is very important and I, if if date, i would even go further i would say gahe uh, fodam liris is atsmoy Kili me me mathausen me auschwitz traveling and all these places like he was he was liberated himself in that way they'll be able to give over to their children and grandchildren
0: understood and and believe me much appreciated and your words are so vital and important but but is there a message directly about the is there a message directly to to us, a spoiled generation, in terms of remembering and thinking about what our predecessors have gone through?
15: Well, the message first of all is twofold. One one is that I don't have to encourage them because it is a misfish say. And to remember Ma'usul Chua that's one thing. And not only there are many say it's not only on Purim or, or on 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 time uh, on that time. It's it's mamish every day. One should remember that. And secondly, as I'm saying, that we should all take a a a a, a, a Musar uh... and and see and tell our children looking at course, we, we we had Mitzrayim and 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 and, and the all the, all all the children. Rabbi goes through Parshas Boy and, and and learn about what, what the, the you know what Rabbi Shalim did uh, in, with for us uh, and Yetsias Mitzrayim. But uh, they also should know uh, about what happened seventy only seventy seventy five years ago approximately. And unfortunately, there's it's There are many uh, less and less individuals like me who can get up and 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 speak about it and say this is my experience the this is what something i have seen and i was not not something that i was told by my grandfather or great or, or my, my brother or sister so that is very very important and and i hope as i said that as long as the rabbi shalom gives me the courage i i will continue to do this but i also feel that we also have to keep in mind that we, B'or HaShem, have now a country called Eretz Yisrael, which is strong, and we uh, probably don't even realize ourselves how how strong. We have to uh, pray to the Rebbein Yisrael that you continue to to guard them and give them protection and, and be able to, because they are our protectors now, and I don't think that Anything can happen now to the Jewish population as long as Israel is is strong and vibrant.
0: Yeah, well, that's a very important message, Uh, that's for sure. Israel Stark is the author of A Boy Named 68818. There is a um, presentation you'll be making today in Cedarhurst at the Shulamit School at 1030 this morning. The community is is welcome to attend that. We should also mention in the book itself you have a a guide, uh, I guess we'd call it, what, a teacher's guide, an educational guide?
15: It is that. the book itself is 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 based for uh, educational purposes for schools and libraries, and there is a historical overview, and there's a timeline and and, and maps and and of course everything that you need in order to understand uh, what I'm trying to say and what I'm trying to convey.
0: A lot of survivors are silent about their experiences. Were you silent for a while, or you've always been open about these discussions?
15: Uh, very interesting question. For some reason or other, yes, I was silent, but basically to my family. My family has been complaining. That is my children and my wife and children and grandchildren have been complaining. That, Dad, you have never spoken to us uh, as, as you go around now in the last uh, uh, 30, 35 years, speaking to many institutions and and days about your experiences. So why not? Uh, I really, uh, for some reason or other, I don't know, maybe it was a hidden... A hidden feeling that, that I did not want to, to upset my own family on something to that effect. But I still don't understand why I opened up to outside uh, audiences, but not so much to my family.
0: The book was written by telling your story to your daughter, correct?
15: The book was written because many times I got through speaking in uh, many moist days. And uh, I always asked, "You have a library?" and they of course, uh, every, every school has a library, so many times I, I asked to see the librarian, and I uh, asked the librarian and says, "Let me ask you a simple question if Moishlah, Yankel Ruchala, or even Johnny would come to you and say, "You know, I just heard this man called uh, Israel or Zulik uh, speak about such terrible things that happened to our..." Mar- Mar- grandfathers and, and, and our grandmothers i mean do you have anything that that i can read up or know more about it and this uh, is uh, maybe a nine or ten or eleven or twelve year old uh, child what would you give him oh we have we have that librarian said this is can i see some samples most of the time i'm sorry to say they had a few simple uh, light a uh, few page few uh, pamphlets that they brought along and says, "Well, this is uh, somebody that has written them." I said, "But you have anything which is, of course, uh, you c- you cannot give these children to read the Frankel. Uh, 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 this book is, is of course uh, known uh, uh, all, all over the world. I mean, that's not for their age or for their understanding. But nevertheless, I felt there may be a need. There is a need for me to go and tell my story in in a book form." and i spoke to my uh, daughter who has been writing many uh... been writing uh, many different articles and finally she agreed to listen to me and it took us three years it took me three years because she was so exact and she checked everything through with experts to see if if, if what every statement for instance i said my uh, distance between my Haider from my home to the cheder in munkach was two and a half kilometers and she finally found out that it, it was three kilometers. So <laughs> she called me to task and say, you, you made a mistake, <laughs> and, and so forth and so forth. So I said, well, I should m- never make any, any bigger mistakes. But uh, it was so exact, and I feel, and I'm very satisfied that it, it filled the need because I've had some wonderful, such wonderful feedback from different educators and, and libraries about uh, this uh, book named, A Boy Named eight eighteen.
0: Um, th- th- there's a tradition, I think, that I-, I would guess that I'd have to say it was started at some point I don't think it goes that far back, but I could be wrong uh, There may be a, a precedent of, of many, many years in Jewish history uh, That uh, if one receives a blessing from somebody who went through your type of experience It is a very uh, valuable blessing It's a priceless one uh, I-, I would I would bet you've been approached with that before, am I right?
15: I've been approached many times. I'm very embarrassed. Uh, I, um, have, I've heard that the, the Sakmari Rebbe, uh, uh, he's the one who mentioned that if you need a brocha, don't come to me. Come to someone that, that has a tattoo on his arm. Right. Uh, I heard that that's was his statement. And yes, many people approaches me. I, I says I am not a Koyan. and well, but maybe as uh, we have also the 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 chazal uh, al tia berchas hadyo And I was uh, so fine. Uh, every Jew is entitled to give a brocha to the other, to the other his friend or or, or his mishpucha. Uh, Maybe, maybe the will 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 agree with it.
0: Well, Mr. Stark, if that's the case, I'll ask you to give us a blessing, and I don't just mean the people here, I mean everybody listening as well, that, number one, we appreciate and remember those who have sacrificed and have passed al-Kiddush Hashem on this Yom HaShoah, number one, and number two, that all of us, survivors and others, continue to fight for a safe, secure, and strong state of Israel, and that we do what we need to do in order to guarantee the future of the Jewish people.
15: This, this, I, I, I really agree with everything you said, and this is very, very important because this is going to be our strength. This is where we have to put our efforts in, in to see. And, uh, and we say we still hope our be
0: One of the most meaningful hours I've ever had the uh, honor to preside over. Thank you so much for joining me today and uh, continued good luck with the book.
15: Thank you. I want to thank you for having me and, and and giving me the opportunity to express some of my thoughts. Thank you so much.
0: My pleasure. Uh, Israel Stark, the book is A Boy Named 68818. It's available on Amazon. There's a New York area store listing on A Boy Named 68818.com. A Boy Named... There is a Facebook page as well, and as I mentioned, the Shulamit School in Cedarhurst welcomes Mr. Israel Stark today at 10.30 this morning. The community is welcome to attend and uh, take advantage not only of the book and having your children read the book, but take advantage of the um, educational materials that are available for the classroom and for informal settings as well that are available after the epilogue of a boy named 68818. You are listening to Yom HaShoah 5776 edition uh, here at JM in the AM. J.M. in the AM. I am, uh, overwhelmed by the reaction to the, uh, lengthy conversation that just took place between, uh, me and uh, Mr. Israel Stark, a boy named 68818. I, I hope, I hope that, uh, many people feel that this conversation is valuable enough to, uh, spread throughout the world and let your children and grandchildren, let them listen in. And hear the archive of this morning's conversation. Uh, it'll help, uh, it'll help a lot of people put things in perspective and it'll help a lot of people understand the importance of this day and the importance of the days next week. I was going to react when Mr. Israel Stark, uh, mentioned the state of Israel and what we have now and how all this can't happen again in his opinion because of what we have. I was going to mention though, appropriately Yom HaShoah is placed in the calendar as Yom HaZikaron on Wednesday and Yom HaTzimur on Thursday are ready to be observed. And, um, it is so important. It is so in this fast moving world, in this very fast moving world where if something happens, it is rare these days that people revisit it. In this very fast moving world. It is so important that we encourage, especially the young people, to stop for a moment and listen into to something that could be very valuable. I thank the rabbis and teachers and community leaders and parents and grandparents who are spending time today reminding their students and children and grandchildren and constituents and congregants to focus on the Yom HaShoah And to remember what it is and why it is so important. Uh, Reminder, tomorrow morning, 7.40 in the morning here at JM in the AM, 7.40 Eastern Time. Malcolm Honline as we revisit the weekly update and it. And we restart it after the Pesach vacation. Malcolm Honeline will join us coming up at 7.40 tomorrow morning here at JM in the AM. Make sure to be tuned in. Uh, reminder, we have an amazing lineup on our stream all day long at org, and of course on the NSN app. Everybody is in, uh, is encouraged to uh, tune in at nine o'clock right after JMNAM to Charlie Harari with the boardroom. He'll have an in-depth look at the power of words. Spin class with Michael Fragan will ask, can Trump win the election and will he destroy the Republican party? Jew in the city speaks, Allison Josephs with abuse survivor and activist Chaim Levin. That's life with Miriam L. Wallach featuring her interview with photographer Doris Levin about the forgotten survivors exhibit opening at the Jewish, fa- at the Jewish home family. Live lunch will be at 11 o'clock. An encore of a Book of Life Yom HaShoah program with Charlie Harari in the Stunt Show Hour between 1 and 2. Throwback Thursday, a Yom HaShoah program from years ago. And um, that'll start to round out our day. Make sure to be listening in at jmnam.org and, of course, on the NSN app. Kudos to those who are observing Yom HaShoah with their own Yom HaShoah presentations and commemorations today. There are many synagogues and organizations doing that. Kolakavod to all of them. JM in the AM. This is a, this is a piece from Michael Isaacson and the Israel Philharmonic, a CD released by the Museum of Jewish Heritage, and which goes through some of the tunes that people were very familiar with in the era of World War II in Europe. Here it is, as presented by the Israel Philharmonic Orchestra at JM in the AM. a.m. Israel Philharmonic Orchestra from a, an album entitled Heritage, symphonic music of the Museum of Jewish Heritage, composed and arranged by Michael Isaacson with the Israel Philharmonic Orchestra. Today is Yom HaZikaron, the Shoah, the Hagvura. Today is Yom HaShoah, Holocaust and Heroism Remembrance Day. It is observed as Israel's Day of Commemoration for the approximately 6 million Jews who perished in the Holocaust as a result of the actions carried out by Nazi Germany and its accessories and for the Jewish resistance in that period. In Israel, it's a National Memorial Day inaugurated in 1953 by a law by Prime Minister David Ben-Gurion and the President of Israel, Yitzhak Ben-Zvi, the 27th of Nisan each year unless... It is a Friday in which it's observed the day before. Today is Holocaust Memorial Day, Yom HaShoah, and we are encouraging everybody out there in any leadership role to pass on this important spirit of the day to those who you speak with on Yom HaShoah. Let them know what happened in Israel this morning, a siren that was heard throughout the entire country as a nation mourned and remembered and focused on the six million and on the very recent tragedy in our history. And let us convey some of the messages that Israel Stark told us in that conversation we just had with him about hope and faith, about a strong Israel, and about a strong future for the Jewish people. Such important messages on this Yom HaShoah. A.M. in the A.M., one of the selections that I think reminds us of the importance of this day historically and ends with such a positive message of hope is this one, performed by the late Moshe Yes at J.M. in the A.M.
12: A child was born into this world. In 1933, a blessing for a Jewish home in Frankfurt, Germany. His father taught him olive base. He learned to read and write. Each night he heard his mother say these words to him. Joseph, my son, the Lord our God is one. God is very near, Yosef, my dear. Yosef, my son, we are the chosen ones. Do not fear, we'll always be together. Yosef was a boy of nine in 1942. He had a secret hiding place Like all young children do Horrified, he saw them take his mom and dad away Alone, he heard his mother's final words to him. Yosef, my son Take some food and run God is very near Yosef, my dear Yosef, my son We are the chosen ones Do not fear We'll always be together To feel his hand on the western wall Was a lifelong dream come true He'd made it to Jerusalem, the city of the Jews. He opened up his sitter as he had done each day. He prayed to God for his mother and his father. And an old man stood there praying for a son he thought long dead. That voice. That's my father's voice, was all that Yosef said. He looked into the old man's eyes, tears came down his face. He fell into his father's embrace. Joseph, my son, the Lord our God is one. Now come, your mother's here. Yosef, my dear, Yosef, my son, a miracle has been done. From now on, we'll always be together.
0: J.M. and the A.M.
12: Yosef, my son, the Lord our God is one. The
0: incredible Moshe Yes with Yosef, my son. One last note on the uh, conversation with Israel Stark this morning as we listen to Moshe Yes sing about this reunion between son and father. The reunion between uh, Israel Stark and his sisters when it was discovered or when it was revealed to him that his sisters were still alive after the war. Just unbelievable. Worth reading the book just for that. just And the aftermath of it, just unbelievable. Nine minutes before 9 o'clock, J.M. and the AM. Plenty on our stream all day long at jmtheam.org. Charlie Harari coming up next. Michael Fragan answering your likely the two most uh, asked questions over the last few days in the world of politics. Can Donald Trump win, and has he destroyed the Republican Party? He'll address both those questions at 9.30 on spin class. Allison Josephs, Jew in the City, speaks at 10 o'clock. Um, Miriam al and That's Life coming up at 10.30. 11 o'clock for a live lunch. And um well worth it for all of you out there to tune in and listen in and participate with us all through the day at M dot org and of course on the NSN app. Winding down a Yom HaShoah, a Holocaust Remembrance Day here at JM and the M. JM in the AM at five minutes before nine o'clock. It is Yom HaShoah morning, and I thank you all for tuning in. Don't forget, the uh, Malcolm Homeline joins us tomorrow. Weekly update starts at seven forty Eastern Time tomorrow morning, right here at JM in the AM. Make sure to be tuned in and um, be ready to be informed. Wrapping things up with Paul Zim from a collection entitled We Shall Live on a Yom HaShoah morning at JM in the AM. The
2: peulish green in the beimelag. Spiren sich mer nit, kein meuchelach, schleimelag. Spiren sich mer nit, kein zwerelach, leyelach. Ní oi kein gräseles nit oi kein the city is immolate, mottled, shimmered. its a great its a great its a great Treut seinen jüdischen Himmel und Himmel, treut seinen Gessen vor die heisele, wo es erstellte. Metro.
0: Achenov Yisrael and Achim our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 in the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Round the world on the web, jamnam.org, and of course on the NSN app. And if there is ever a way to wrap up a Yom HaShoah radio program. It is, of course, with Hatikva. I thank you all for listening. My thanks, to Mr. Israel Stark, for making this day even more meaningful for all of us. If you have missed it, this morning's conversation, make sure to head to the archives at some point later on. It is well worth hearing his words. Tomorrow morning we're back. We start at 6 a.m., 7.40 Eastern Time for uh, Malcolm Honline and the weekly update. Make sure to be tuned in. Have a um, meaningful Thursday, Yom HaShoah. Until tomorrow, Malcolm Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.